This is Coda Radio, episode 465 for May 9th, 2022. Well, hey, good looking. Welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. Sitting right here in Seattle, my name is Chris, and our host joining us from the East Coast is Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hey, welcome to Florida, and also brought to you by CNN Plus. Wait, what, what, what happened? Wait, you canceled us already? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you were you enjoying uh, Jake Tapper's book club? You know, that was their big hit, right? I actually thought that was a joke. I didn't think it was real. That was real? Yeah. Yeah. I liked Scott Galloway's show, but I liked it, but I, I kind of didn't like it. It's just like rich, fancy people being rich and fancy. Mm, living vicariously through CNN Plus. Kara Swisher. Oh, keep going. Uh, are you doing all right? You, you, today is a weird day to be recording. We are like in the sixth day of just like crash after crash after crash in the market. I mean, it's gleeful for you and I, so I don't know what you're talking about. It is. We are such twisted bastards. It's so funny. Like, the whole market's down. People's 401ks are, are are trashed. And I'm not making light of that, but you and I are both like called it. <laughs> I'm enjoying an Elijah Craig on the rocks as I watch all these motherfuckers burn. It's just we got feedback. They're like, you guys are old and grumpy and a bunch of doomers. And you always think things are about to go bad. And see, about two weeks, three weeks ago, we did a, at the end of the episode. We were just like, hey, guys, just, so you know, like it's probably going to be kind of economically tough for a bit, and you know we're out well, there. Well, because we lived through the crash. I'm sorry, but we lived through the the last one. We have a what, roughly a half a decade between us, or a decade almost. It's just a number, baby. I oh, know, I, I sweetheart, I love you no matter what, baby. Don't worry. But the dot com crash, I was too young. Oh, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You. That's what I'm saying. Between us, we've lived through. Baby, this is the same song. I don't know why we're being like super in love with each other right now <laughs> you know when t- when time gets tough and we uh when we get to do a real good solid told you so you and i just we get close <laughs> we get real you know what <laughs> this song is about us honestly carly simon the song was also about that dude it's one of those things i think as a small business you're more tuned into as well because i think that and i don't mean to characterize it like this in a negative way but i think a lot of people that pushed back gave us feedback that like you guys are crazy there's no crash i think they're nine to fivers and they just don't watch the market like a, like a business person does because it's just different consequences. And I'm not saying that negatively. I just think it's a different set of priorities. It's a, it's a stupid uh, old folktale, but the canary, oh, it's not really a folktale. It's true, right? The canary in the coal mine. Small business guys, like real small, like our size, we feel everything six months before everybody else. Yeah. I mean, we, our private conversations, I, you know, you know, I've been taking just hiring these people the the reason and we're going to get to the feedback but i'm just a pre-defense the reason i don't think these wages that kids are asking for is sustainable is because we're going into a crash why would anybody want to pay someone 70 plus when they don't have to when the market will not sustain that wage next year and that's not really a moral or judgment call on the on what the wage is or isn't I would rather hire someone at 65 and and as a young kid out of college and keep them for five years than hire them at 70, have them be non-profitable, non-sustainable, and have to, frankly, let them go. I think the, the thing that you and I are not quite saying out loud, but what we both see coming is a flip in the market where it's been really those who are looking to get a job. It has been their market, and it has been a really great time to look for a job. And when a recession hits, that tends to reverse that trend. 
And there is actual psychological studies that show that people transition from a you should be lucky to have me mindset to a a job that just pays the bills so we can get by mindset. And it's not a it's not a great it's not a great place to be emotionally for the country. Uh, first of all, our country is schizophrenic, but you told me I can't do any more unfiltered content. So um, also. Folks, if you're running out of recession, if you're feeling cold, perhaps General Electric or JCPNL or New Jersey Central Power and Light, all companies who've tried to turn my lights off at one point. If you're cold, wrap yourself in the comfort, the love, the judgment-free affection of a Coterodia rope. <laughs> That's so great. Hey, you know what? Looking back, man, and reflecting on that, the Coterodia robe was at the what now feels like kind of the beginning of the supply chain issues, right? No, you're right. We were there, right? We couldn't get. Listen, if you, if folks who don't have a coda radio, it, robe, I couldn't get threads and stuff. It was like it kept coming down to thread and folks who don't have. We should describe the robe, right? It's a black robe. It's a bathrobe, right? A black robe. Uh, I don't. What do you call the rope? Oh, it's a it's a type of type of real. It's a really plush towel material that is. It's both towel and robe, and I forget the name of it. But we got like a really high quality one, so you can even put it on wet. You know that kind of thing. But the fact that we can't print like get robes is. Man, I couldn't get RAM chips at reasonable prices. It's, and and we've been, frankly, kvetching about this for, what, eight months, ten months? I suppose, yeah. It's, we've been getting a little more poignant about it recently. Well, you know, we're in our feelings. It's a, it's a, it's a season of feelings right now. I, okay, so I'm not making light of it. I know it, it sucks. The whole tech world is hunkered down right now. No, it blows. Also, uh, there is a silver lining. For, for someone like my dad, who is hoping to retire this year, this sucks. If you are in your 20s, your 30s, or maybe even your early 40s, this could actually be a really great investment opportunity. This is, no, this is your moment. Also, if you're kind of wondering, like, what the hell is going on? Why is everything crashing? Why is oil down? Why is gold down? Why is silver down? Why are all the tech stocks down? I have been doing a Bitcoin podcast with the Bitcoin dad. It's called the Bitcoin dad pod. Uh, yep. Okay. It is. Yep. And episode five. We talk about the overall monetary system and the issues there. And then in episode 14, we talk about issues that are going on with some of the major assets. So the Bitcoin dad, he's traditionally trained in economics. He went to school for that to become like a big economic egghead. So he has a really sound understanding of the economy. And then I chime in on the technicals and stuff like that and just help move the show along. But episode five, the whole, the whole show has been really good. But five and 14, even if you're not interested in Bitcoin, and you just want to understand what the hell is going on at the bigger picture. Why I'm recommending this is it's a really level-headed take. It's it's weirdly non-alarmist, even though we're talking about stuff at a pretty massive scale. Well, we're we're almost certainly going to be in a 1970s level recession, right? Like there is some real fundamentals that would suggest that. And and so all I'm saying is, if you're curious, go check out that. We'll have it linked in the show notes. Bitcoin Dad, you said? Yeah, it's the Bitcoin Dad Pod. I, I will listen to that. And I just want to say I made a thousand bucks on Dogecoin. And for any IRS agents, this show, much like Tucker Carlson's, is not necessarily factual. Yeah, it could just be, uh, what did he say? Uh, uh, a character I play. Yeah, a character. Yeah, it's a character. Yeah, it's a character who's making money on it, Doge. It, it's really important that um, the IRS never listen to the show. Okay. All right. There we go. Moving on. Uh, we do have some feedback. Eddie has a moral dilemma, which uh, we seem pretty qualified to answer. Welcome to Dad Radio. We're very upset, too. Okay, so he said, I did some contract work for a company that rhymes with smell. 
and probably due to my hard-headedness, I ran into some issues I wanted to run past you. You see, I'd get an order to do a job through a small IT company I worked for. So, like, Smell was contracting with his small company. Super super used to this, yep. His job was to drive to the job site, usually in Missouri or Illinois, and then complete the work order that they had sent me. He said he'd get paid for gas and time on the job. He's fine with all of those details, but the devil was in them details. So here's an example that he wanted to run past us. So he'd get the order, and the order would tell him that they just got a computer that was bought by Smell, and it needed to get transferred. All the settings from their old computer needed to get transferred to the new computer. And on the work order, they specifically told him to use the USB bus and a USB disk to transfer the files, which he said added a considerable amount of time to the billing, just hours. That's going to be slow, slow as yeah. And so he didn't want to be bored out of his mind with the data slowly transferring, watching, you know, you know, 11 megabits a second or whatever it was then, probably USB 2. So he'd uh, hook it up to the SATA bus or the uh, it might have even been before SATA, he says, and he just transfer it right there over the local disk bus. Of course, now smell didn't like it when he did things that way, but they never really fired him. He just wasn't following orders like a good robot, he says, and he just didn't agree with some of the questionable methods. Thankfully, it was, you know competent got the job done so it was never really an issue but he wonders what we would do in a similar ethical dilemma would you have just gone the usb route and you know add another four hours to the bill what would you do uh no <laughs> the answer is no i think if smell is who i think smell is this is not the first time i've heard of something like this uh i'll let chris speak for himself because i know there's possibly a relationship there i've never i've never dealt with uh technical support outside of like calling them for my own stuff i like how you just like didn't even give the cover all right so oh, smell down. right, smell, right. Smell. <laughs> we're talking yeah okay but maybe drew could beep that out i don't know we'll find out i gotta tell you there is a reason that i closed my business account with those people smell yeah i'm gonna have to leave this one alone i i i, I wasn't super yeah here's what i see because i've been all right you've, you've been that guy because here's the thing dude i'm so damn good I've been in this position dozens of times, hundreds of times. This is my default Listen, position. Listen, stop. I told my fiance that this morning. I'm so damn good I can do this position. And you know what? It, I just want to say I'm. there's a reason I'm drinking Elijah Craig at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. Oh, uh, you got me there. I would actually very frequently be the guy that was the fastest at getting the task done in the company. And so again, not a feature for the fiance, but keep going. Not a great feature for the for the guys running the company either. They like to see, you know, if they can send out one guy and he bills 6 hours to do a job and I bill 3 hours and it, and the customer's even happier, they're not happy, right? The incentives don't align. So it becomes a question of fraud, right? Seriously, like if for instance, I do contract development I think it is my job, and I always, if I can find like a BSD or Apache license package to do something quicker for a customer, I do it. In the contracts, it says I'm going to use those kind of open source stuff anyway. And my goal is to deliver as many deliverables as quickly as possible. And I hope they hire me again, right? You know, I'm with the the writer here. I, I think it's up, and you should not do it the bad way to make more money. I would face this issue frequently. And I'll tell you, this is where it makes all the difference to be your own boss versus work for people that are telling you how to do the job. Because the actual solution here is to charge for the overall solution you're providing, not for the hours it took you to solve it. Bing, bing, bing. It's called Alice. Yep. Yeah. So you, so you basically create a standard price 
for PC transfer. You know, PC transfer is $300. You're incentivized then to get that done as fast as possible. Get it done in 45 minutes. Get it done in an hour, right? Because then you're just making money. That So you have to sell it instead of on the hours. You have to sell it based on the task or the solution. Hourly billing sets up a confrontational relationship. It only makes sense for custom work, right? Like we have a fantastic customer in Canada. We're doing, uh, they're uh, in the agricultural business. But they want things exactly the way they want. They want what they want. So we do it the way they tell us. We have a meeting almost every week. It's fantastic. But for things like maintenance and support of existing hardware, the the corruption in hourly billing is is terrible. The incentives don't align with the customer or the person doing the billing. The only person that really was yeah, had their incentives aligned there incentives aligned there was smell. Can, can I give you a, re, a real example too? Just just for the listener. Yeah. Um, so Alice, right? We sell Alice as a, an annual license. My incentive is one for them to be happy, but also I'm going to make the same. There's three tours of Alice, but let's say I'm going to make the same. You know, n dollars. Let's call it seven thousand dollars, no matter what. What do you think, Chris? Am I sitting there looking for ways to slow down the job, or am I uh, as aggressively as possible setting up their Alice instance? Yeah, and, and they like that, right? They want that. Yes, I understand where Eddie's coming from when he's not the boss. And so it's like for him, the moral dilemma is, do I keep my job and do it the slow way? And then, you know, the other thing is you got to like try to look busy during all that time because the customers, of course, always kind of keep an eye on you. You know, what? You're, you're in a bad position, man. Like I, it doesn't sound like Eddie's there anymore. But uh, Eddie, can I recommend a different company who bills so much and cancels people's credit accounts? I won't call them plum, but. They might be a pear or an orange, perhaps. Certainly not a Macintosh, which is a specific type of fruit. You want to do an apples to apple kind of comparison, you're saying? Oh, I definitely don't want to do that. No. <laughs> well, I got really good news. Special announcement. Long timer Remy has written back in. Oh, God, did he summon Egon? Sorry. Uh, he says, uh, I am a longtime listener, but I'm not as long nor as famous as Egon. That's how he starts his email. <laughs> Every email. Honestly, should be getting with a shout out to Egon. The, the long timers know. Uh, and I also appreciate that Remy still spells his uh, name in a way where I can read it appropriately. Because when he first started emailing in, he spelled his name the correct way, which I would always butcher. So now he writes it in a way where my childlike brain can read it correctly. So after just recently writing in about uh, macro keyboard shortcuts, he says, I'm in the process of trying to sell my own GPL software. It's a small monitoring app written in Qt and C++. If you want to check it out, it's at leafnode.nl. But I am not really necessarily looking for free advertisement, so you don't have to mention it, but I already did, Remy. You are going to get it no matter what. Keep going. He says the price is low. I'm not looking to make a profit because, actually, I don't really want to get into a gray area and I don't want to have to run a company. And plus, I just kind of hate exposing my private data to any public company to register. And, and would that gray area be the QT license, perhaps? <laughs> perhaps. Umpo. I think it's like a business legal thing in his country. I don't know. Okay. Because I haven't gotten on a mobile app store yet, but the download includes an APK for Android. The app itself can export its source code. I've built that in so that even when the binary is distributed, users can still get the source code. A hypothetical scenario here is when it's up on the Play Store and then I can't export the source code to the user. So he's concerned about this and GPL violations. And I'm wondering, why not just link to it like the like an about page under a hamburger menu or something? That's like legit what I was going to say. Okay, but here's this real question. 
So he's looking at the Linux deployment. He's got a script right now that'll build an app image. It will compile Qt statically. It's based around Ubuntu 18.04. He says it works on most modern Linux boxes that have app image support, which is like everything. But he's kind of curious. What do we recommend for packaging this thing up? Uh, he says that I see that snaps have. Oh a- no no no! I'm not touching Linux packaging. Oh, is that how you feel now? Is that how you feel? I I I have gotten in some nasty nasty fights. That's what Remy's concerned about. He's worried about snap blowback. He says, "Do what you want, but it's uh, the stakes are so low." So you're saying the risk isn't worth the return? It's not worth it. Do do it. Do what you want. But my personal opinion is that. I would take a dot deb over a snap or a flat, especially a flat pack. Which I know everybody likes flat pack, and I've heard the recent Linux unplug and whatever. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think flat packs have gotten a lot more accepted. It's really only in Ubuntu land where they're still tricky, but every other distro. Well, so I run Ubuntu. Right? I run Pop. Yeah, and it's huge. It is huge. Right. Right. So it. it well, okay. Pop's got flat pack support. Pop's got flat pack. Regular straight up Ubuntu does, does not. It does, but it's not very great. I mean, well, here's you know. the thing. Here's the thing. Flathub is actively working on a way for developers to monetize, and it is a it is a large repo of software, and it's desktop focused. And I heard this before. Canonical is working on the Ubuntu App Store. I bought you remember years ago. I, I bought an Ubuntu app to rebrand it, remonetize it, and I made the guy I bought it from. Made enough money to buy a cheeseburger. Literally, he made a video about it. His name is Zane Swafford. He's a great kid. He worked for me. It's different this time, man. Oh, of course it is. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, <laughs> yeah. This, this time will be different. It is not tied to any particular distro. There was no universal packaging format back then. It was all tied to Deb and App. So so why why is Flat better? Like, I, I don't use Flat Packs. I use, so, and, and I know we're going to get shit. I use Snap, but my preference is straight Debs, right? I will install a .deb, just do the depackage thing on the terminal. That's the way I like to do it. But tell me why I'm wrong. I think a .deb is a pretty reasonable, and you're going to get probably 80% of your, maybe 70% of your user base. So I'm not trying to say don't go with .deb. And I don't even think I'd argue that a flat pack is necessarily better than an app image or a snap. I think what I would argue is that just the network effect has gotten to the point now where flat packs are starting to become a superior choice. It's sort of like... It's becoming the it's becoming the DMG of the Linux desktop, even though AppImage is pretty close to that. It's simple. It works with all software centers. You know, it's straightforward to get a flat pack installed on Linux now. AppImage is also a great way to go. I just probably wouldn't do snaps. Like everybody else, I have a pony in this race. And it's AppImage. Yeah, sure. Because they're, they're the same thing. Mac OS has been doing this for years, and it's been fine. Right, yes, it takes more storage, blah, blah, blah. A lot of technical reasons, maybe you don't want to do it that way. But who cares? People buy terabyte hard drives now. And there is the App Image Hub, which kind of acts like a flat hub. That, to me, is part of it. I guess. I think you got to have a front end to find new apps, recently updated apps. you got to have a place. I think that's what makes the app stores work. I'm at the point where I'm starting to, again, they don't pay me. Just I just like the stuff they put out. Where, where I think System76, thinking about Pop! OS, is right. That these Linux desktops are for technical people, for developers, for engineers. And at some point, you're just going to have to pop open the terminal, right? You're just going to have to do it out of the old way. Is old, I mean, is, is Bash old? 
I know this is heresy, but if I became the ruler of Linux, I think I would target the user you just described. And then what I would say is, from henceforth, all tutorials and how-tos will take place on the command line because it's the consistent UI across all Linux. It's not just Linux. You know, the Mac podcast, love you all. Please don't be mad. But the real technical ones, guess where they live? They live in Z Shell, which is Mac Bash, right? It's, well, Z Shell exists everywhere, but Mac, the default is Z Shell. For some reason, yeah. The reason is the GPL3. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know what? It's Unix. Like, Mac and Linux, it's weird that there's that animosity between the communities because they really are. They're not just kissing cousins. They're Cleopatra and her husband slash brother. Yeah, especially when you have things like Brew or Nix, and you can get package management going on, on the Mac. And Yeah, I think System76 is targeting the right user with Pop, and that it is that technical user who just wants to get to work. I think I'm going to buy a Thaleo tonight. <laughs> so Raimi just wants to give... Uh, he wants like maybe your best talk him out of trying to ship and sell GPL software pitch. Do you have one? Because he's asking for your opinion on it. I think we both know what that is. Yeah. I I am going to do the same thing very soon. Okay. I hope it's open core. Remy, michael at themadbotter.com. Give me, drop me a line. We need to talk. Because, so, Chris, you know, and the listeners know that I have been trying to revive the open core business model. I've noticed a few comments. Can I just put my balls <laughs> on the table like Eric Bachman or Ehrlich Bachman? I'm going to open core Alice if I can. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how this is going to work. So let's start there. You're you're thinking you open source and you even said GPL there. And then what? Sell plugins? Extra functionality? So I said open core and GPL, which I guess is open source too. So you're right. So yeah. Free software. No, it's what it is. It's free software. So maybe we should step back just for a second, right? What Alice actually is, because we talk about it like, you know. Oh, great. Great idea. Yeah. So Alice is automation and data translation software. I have a term that I use for my customers called universal data fluency. Basically, the software looks at the shape of the data to translate it into other data sources. So we had a partnership at Close, which is a CRM. We could look at data from HubSpot, which is another CRM, and translate it into Close. Right now, we actually focus on contractors for Alice. We do Service Titan. We're going to do House Call Pro next year. The, the idea, though, is we do Google Suite, right? Google, what the hell do they call it now? Google for Business? It used to be just G Suite. Is it not still called G Suite? No, it's not. It's. Uh, I mean, I usually I usually call it like Google Apps for Business. No, they, just, yelled at, they yelled at me because I had the old name up. And the old Teams logo. or something? Is it Google Teams or something? Uh, like it's like Google for, I don't know, whatever. I think it's now called Google Wishes It Invented Slack for Business. Let, let me put it this way. We also integrate with Slack. Thank you, Chris and Teams, and Office 365, and whatever the Google version of that is, which is weird because I've been a Google customer for over a a decade and a half. But hey, Google, my love, stop rebranding your Just Just stop renaming things. And maybe bring back uh, the XMPP-based chat, and maybe while you're at it, wave and... No, we're never going to get all your... your, your, Reader, you want to talk about that? Do we have to go here? Yeah, actually, I've moved on. I've moved on. Reader, I've made peace with, actually. It's all the other stuff. I'm already pre-upset about Stadia. So much for my Alice plug, but let, let's let's have our feelings. No, 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 no. We have to say the names. We have to say the names. Google has killed every product that was ever good that they made. Sorry. Google Plus was, a better, was better than Twitter. Google Plus is still better than Twitter and Facebook combined. 
I loved Google Plus. But anyway. All right. So integrates with Slack, integrates with all the different business areas, and it helps you move data between those things, it sounds like. That's core functionality as far as you're concerned? Or is Slack like outside core? That's an interesting question. So we are having a problem. Should I just air my dirty laundry here? Oh, probably. I mean, whew. it's good for the ads, right? Our best customers are, how should we say, a little traditional in their IT stack. They don't have Slack. They don't have Teams. Honestly, they have Google, but they don't understand why Gmail keeps changing on them. And they're To say they're upset is a dramatic understatement. They're basically their most modern communications tool is probably email. Uh, no, our most, I, I'll, I'll just give you the numbers. Our most popular integration, Microsoft Access. Of course. Oh, man, I bet I could have predicted that. We have fire stations, fire truck repair companies, military contractors, and a whole lot of like actual contractors, like folks who are literally building buildings. I mean, I don't know about the military, but all these other ones, like manufacturing uh, parts or, you know, like where it's a shop, it's like a machine shop or con- construction all these places, offices, they're all places that get somebody who knows just enough. They're dangerous just enough to build something like an Access or an Excel. That's classic. Oh, oh, my mom. So I'm not going to say where she works because she would literally cut my left nut off. But my mom is an Excel ninja. She has done things. I didn't tell you this, but I'll tell you on the air. I'm, I bought a book called Python Workout. 50 lessons every week. We're going to do one. I'm going to put it on GitHub public you're gonna love it she could do them in excel in half the time i could in python a pivot table to her is is life like she she is so powerful i actually asked her just like i just start throwing programming problems at her i said go on just go in excel yeah do it in excel there's a whole programming language the problem is excel changed yeah these things used to run businesses Oh, you would be horrified. Oh. <laughs> they still do. <laughs> I, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it in my time, so I can only imagine. And I always wondered, like, how long could this possibly last? And it sounds like... Forever. Yeah, much longer than I thought it would. So, listeners, if any of you know what I'm talking about when I say Microsoft Access, because I'm pretty sure that that's a relic, right? I haven't no, met- they know. They know. They, they know. must know. They know Access? My God, I hope. That would actually, if people don't know... Million boost in and tell me as you're listening to this right now, send us a boost. Did you know or did you not know about access and have you ever used it or seen it? Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices. And of course, you support the show. So it's tailscale.com slash coder. Tailscale is a zero config VPN. It installs on any device in minutes. It manages your firewall rules. It helps you with double dreaded NAT. I recently learned that. One of the co-founders of Tailscale has parents that retired into an RV. And so he went out to their RV and made sure that Tailscale worked through carrier-grade NAT. Man, am I grateful for that. That is the scenario I use it all the time. Tailscale creates a decentralized flat network for your systems protected by WireGuard's mesh protocol. And then Tailscale runs this backplane that you can authenticate to using a single sign-on system. So if you work with a like a business single sign-on system and it uses two-factor authentication, Tailscale supports that. Of course, it has support for DNS. So you can set up a DNS server in there and actually address everything by name. And Tailscale VPNs are always on. They're smart. So they send the traffic that's supposed to talk to those machines through the VPN 
and not all your traffic, which means you can leave it on all the time. So every device remains connected. I'm talking, I have Raspberry Pis. I have an iPad. I have lots of desktops. I have containers and I have VPSs and I have VMs all on this Tailscale network. It's allowed me to build my own internet and you can set it up and try it for yourself for free for up to 20 machines by going to tailscale.com slash coder. And keep an eye out for a future Linux Unplugged. I have an interview with one of the founders of Tailscale and it's really insightful. And he talks about how they've built it to be sustainable even for the free accounts. But it's just a great service. It's changed the way I work and it's going to change the way you work. Maybe you support your friends, your family, or connect your devices. Go build your own internet and support the show. Get started at tailscale.com slash coder. Yeah, so I'm, okay, so my idea yeah. for the open coring of Alice, and I, I'm going to say core, and please, please stop sending me fascist emails. <laughs> Not emails from fascists, literally saying that I'm a fascist because I like open core. It's, it's really mean. Like, it's unnecessary. So the way, the way I architected Alice is a little um, psychotic, for lack of a better word. There's a core automation engine, right? It runs the services. It does timers. It does webhooks. It does several versions of dedupe, deduplication. Oh, sure. Yeah, I bet. The obvious ones you'd think of. I have my own little method that seems faster. But I'll be honest with you, performance has become an issue, and I'm playing with the underlying Python runtime. I actually am considering porting her to the .NET. I don't know if you know this. The, so .NET has a Python runtime that seems pretty performant. There's challenges there because they're... I mean, this is a whole conversation, but I'll give you the one I told my six-year-old. It's it's a McDonald's parfait, right? There's a layer of yogurt. There's fruit. Yeah. There's granola. Yeah, you got to have that. Right. Maybe like a little breading or something. I mean, I don't know. The idea is that the layers may, I think, now right now they're a little tightly coupled and I need to do some work on that. But I think maybe by next, this time next year, I can uncouple the core, the yogurt part, and make that an open core automation engine. Hmm. Yeah. And why wouldn't I do that? I really think you'll you, the pushback you've gotten on open core is probably just a vocal minority. Because I think, I mean, I think you, you could even... You don't even really have to use the language. You know, you can really just talk about how this is the project. It's open source. It's free software. These additional commercial modules are available. And you can, you almost could even not even say the words open core, but people would get it. So the way I bill for Alice is there's that, that 5,000, like that's the minimum, right? And then the more integrations, and, the, and if you want us to host it, obviously that costs something, right? If we're hosting in Plant City. But I bill for the additional integrations. So... I'm not suggesting I'm going to make the integration layer or the, you know, uh, data translation layer open source. That could be something that's also custom per customer. I could see that. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of custom work, right? So, see, I have memories, and frankly, I know you do, right, of, of the old days where you had companies that were living the open source lifestyle, a free software package, right, open source but to be super clear, when I say the the yogurt part is going to be open source, I mean GPL, like straight up GPL. I want to charge for the integrations. I want to charge for some of the data translation stuff. So I have talked to three attorneys. How's that gone? 
Mike, take a shower, have a glass of water and a cup of coffee, and go to bed. <laughs> what are you out of your mind? And the last one was, so killing yourself, like, why don't you just kill yourself? Sorry, kids. I have a divorce lawyer. <laughs> I have a business lawyer. I actually have two business lawyers because one of my business lawyers literally quit being a lawyer to go raise cattle, which tells you how fun being a lawyer is. Man, that's probably the way to go. Let's be honest. But even her, she was like, you're insane. You know, what? what, what is the difference between open corn and free software in terms of a corporation, right? in terms of a business? It seems like you actually have a business behind an open core model. There's an actual business where the free software project, sometimes there's no business. There's just a guy. KP says in the chat, open core is great. Just tell the database, find out your product, or they'll just write their own plugins from placers. There's that. There's that. Yeah. So it's possible, right? Like, you know, Chris knows, and I think y'all know that I've been thinking about this for a year and a half now. I'll be honest with you. The reason I haven't done it is I'm, I'm frankly scared. Yeah, I think that's probably your biggest risk there is somebody creates commercial plugins that replace what you do. But that almost would be a great problem to have, too, at the same time, because the scale you would have to reach to show up on their radar and then to have customers that want it for them to implement that would mean that you're, you're you know, you're probably at hundreds of employees at that point. Can I make an evil announcement? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Not to turn this into an ad for Alice. We're also, oh, giving dates is painful because I've been wrong every time. By next year, we're going to have a self-service GUI reporting tool where folks who pay for the GUI reporting tool can use the internal, the yogurt, right, part of Alice to create their own reports. Working on that now? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a web interface. I want an iPad interface, but I... Uh, do you remember that episode where... Uh, what's his name? Um Number one. Oh, uh, Riker? Riker mutinied against Picard. No. My, my employees will not allow me to open Xcode again. Are you telling me there's a Riker mutiny episode? I, I want, am I blanking on this? You are. I can, think of a, I can think of a Jakote mutiny episode on the holodeck. It's the one where he and Q merge. Q offers him to become Oh, part. yeah, that was kind of a mutiny. You're right. And he turns Wesley into like this huge stud. <laughs> and Wes is like, oh, what's up, mom? Which is... Weird, too. Troubling in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. Oh, by the way, can we respond to the Star Trek feedback or no? Oh, yeah, sure, lot? sure. Boost Gray. Boost. All right, so we did get some Star Trek feedback. In fact, we got a rage boost from a middle-aged dev sent in 500 sats. I love Discovery Season 4. However, I missed out on most of Enterprise, and I will check it out. I do remember those Andorian antennas wiggling, though, which was great. We had a few people in Telegram respond, too, that uh, uh, we were just not appreciating the emotional journey that Discovery takes you on mm-hmm. when we were talking about Discovery. I think spoiler-free, but did you catch Strange New Worlds, which has launched? Don't, don't spoil it, because it's just new. But Parents of Coda Radio, this is the time to maybe make your kids go away. You have two seconds. Get out of here. One. Two, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the uniforms in, Disco- in uh, Strange New Worlds. Big fan. Big fan. All right. I mean, that's positive. I thought you were going to drop a bomb. Nope. It's, uh, it's, it's a specific uniform that I like, but yeah. Oh. Is it in the sick bay? I, I, I refuse to answer any questions that might cancel me. All right. I got you. But yeah, I, 
All right. I, I so far think my my take on The Strange New Worlds is that it is probably the best first episode of any of the new Trek. No, it's kidding aside. It's really good, right? Like, I, I'm, I wasn't going to watch it until we got our nasty emails, and I did because I'm a coward, and I loved it. A little too much, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We're, just between you and I, Chris, no one else can hear this, right? No, it's just private now. So... So Mariah bought a dress for the wedding, right? Oh, yeah, right. I lit it on fire. What? And I bought her a yellow Star Trek. <laughs> She's yeah. going to love that. <laughs> She's going to love that. She's just going to love that. I just want to say she she is not super thrilled. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. All right, next boost comes in. Boost. From DPG says, uh, I want to recommend the new Lego Star Wars games in the Skywalker Sega. It's been a blast playing with my younger cousin. Plenty of nostalgia. May the force be with you. He also says there's a bunch of Jar Jar stuff in there. In fact, I'll jump right to it. Crashmaster18 wrote in with a thousand sats. Misa happy to hear Jar Jar. And for what it's worth, I like all the Star Wars movies, and I like Picard too. But I can't get into Discovery. Tried repeatedly. I can't believe people are encouraging this Jar Jar thing. They're, they're, they're actually using their sats to encourage more Jar Jar Binks. I don't think these people appreciate what they're doing to the show, you know? They're not thinking this through. Misa stand with Captain Lorca. I'm <laughs> oh, bringing the worlds together. I just want to say this one more time, and I really hope we stop being a social commentary podcast. But uh, Captain Lorca was the most interesting captain of Star Trek ever, period. Second only, maybe, to Cisco. And I, I have this weird thing where me, Cisco, and Lorca are... Never mind. Better than Jean-Luc, huh? Yeah, Jean-Luc. You know, he's too perfect. Well, they take him down a few pegs in Picard, so if, if that's your thing, you'll enjoy Picard. I, I have watched Picard, and watching an old man suffer from dementia is not great. So. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I'm actually impressed. He he acted the hell out of that final episode. You know who the hero of Picard is? Seven of nine. Who? Lorca? I, I'm filled with rage right now. <laughs> Are you insane? Who? Dodge. But the OG Dodge. First episode, they jump her, they put a hood on her, and that girl steps right up to the plate. You're right. And when they try to kill Captain Picard, or Admiral Picard, if you were, listen, fighting someone on a college campus, or whatever the hell Starfleet thinks it is, I have gotten into physical altercations on a college campus. Let me tell you something. <laughs> of course you have. Yes. We both hurt each other by missing each other and hitting walls. Oh my god. I, you two, you two hotheads fighting each other and then punching the wall is God. I God, I wish I could have seen that. I'm bleeding. You're like, are you okay? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> fight's over. <laughs> oh my God. It attacked us. The, 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 the building jumped. Yes. So I wish I could have seen that. Nev kicked off a challenge last week. He's now coming through with 5,000 sats. Jim, I hereby challenge you to install Gen 2 for a week. If you manage this challenge successfully, I will give you 5,000 sats. At the end of the week, you can submit a NeoFetch. That's a, a program you can install on the command line. And uh, give me a screenshot of it and submit a pull request to his GitLab. He's got it linked in the show notes, so we'll put a link to that. And then you get the 5,000 sats if you uh, complete the Gen 2 challenge. I think they might have already connected in the Matrix, too, which is awesome. I'm not positive, but I think it might have been happening. Oh, my God. It's not me. Okay, I don't have to install Gen 2. No, no. Some guy named Jim does. Sorry, Jim, but maybe you'll enjoy your sats. Jim, you did this to yourself. Also, Puppy Linux for life saved my ass more times than y'all could ever. Puppy Linux, also System Rescue CD, also really good for saving your bacon. 
System Rescue CD shout out. I like how I have the crappy old version. <laughs> he has the good version. <laughs> <laughs> Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. You got to go try it for yourself for your next project to go learn something. Maybe they have a one-click deployment of something you've been wanting to try for a while. That's the first place I check when I learn about a new open source project. Sometimes I just browse their marketplace just to learn about new projects. And because I, I actually do that, I notice that they update it pretty frequently as well. There's a lot of nice things in there. And I always mention things like Jitsi, GitLab, or uh, NextCloud, or uh, lots of popular gaming servers. I run a couple for my kids up there. But of course, you can also use it to deploy your entire infrastructure for your business in the cloud. And it's not like this super intense, hyperscaler, esoteric platform where all of the jargon and the skills only apply to that platform, which essentially is creating a new form of cloud lock-in. That's not the game Linode plays. What they play is the value, the performance, and the service. There's not a lot of people competing in this space, and nobody does it like Linode because they've been around for 19 years doing this kind of stuff. They've recently been rolling out NVMe PCIe storage. So if you have applications that need super high performance, like I'm talking serious IOPS, they've got disks for that now. They've got AMD Epic CPUs that consistently benchmark higher than and faster than the competitors. 11 data centers around the world where they are their own ISP, so they control their connectivity. It's great. 40 gigabit connections coming into the hyper, hypervisors. They got SSDs, MVMEs. They got the they got the RAMs. They got the CPUs. I mean, it goes on and on. But what really matters, and what I hear a lot, is the support. I mean, I could just I could rattle on about all the features. I use the crap out of the object storage. That's why I say just go take advantage of that hundred dollars. That's like real working money, <laughs> especially when you see these prices. They're thirty to fifty percent lower than the hyperscalers. So like that hundred dollars, you can really try this thing. And actually see what I'm talking about. And it's also just great for anybody who might want to deploy a portfolio or a website. It scales. It's great for individuals. It's great for businesses. It really hits that sweet spot. You can take it even further with things like their API, their documentation. Go try it out and support the show. Linode.com slash coder. Can we have a pop topic? Sure. So I'd like to, with respect, ask you. What terminal are you using right now? Um, the machine I'm sitting at is Plasma, and I love console. On the Mac, I'll use iTerm for most of my like day long work, and then like quick stuff, I'll just use the terminal. It so kind of depends. And then I actually just use the GNOME terminal on GNOME. So I have been taking a journey into the land of terminals, eh? There are so many new terminals now, and I have to say, I'm not gonna say negative about the ones I don't like, but Warp. We've talked about them before. Yeah. Made the right choice by not going Electron. Yeah, that's just not where you want an Electron app, is it? So folks that don't know, I use an app called Magnet App. It adds like snap tiling and, and also keyboard commands, stuff that should be built into the window manager of macOS, that kind of stuff. The stuff that literally exists on Pop OS for free, but I paid $20 because I hate my life. I will say, and I say this with love, the font rendering, for some reason... We've talked about this before. On Mac Terminal, right, Terminal.app, yeah. the fonts look crisper and bigger than on Warp. And this is, this is the one that kills me. So I've 
I opened the same file, same Python script in Vim on Pop OS. Now, this is not the newest release, so I apologize. I, I'm not insane, so I didn't update it. And in VS Code, the font is like a quarter of the size in VS Code. It's like half size. I have just decided in the last year, I'm just popping up the font size on all that stuff now. Have you messed with VS Code setting sync at all? No, I, I, I'm afraid to do the sync because my settings on Mac and and uh, Pop are different. But wh- how do, does it work? I'm not a heavy config tweaker of VS Code because I'm installing it and removing it so frequently that I don't want to get too into the weeds. But I decided to authenticate it with my GitHub account, and then I sync across my font and font size, and I, I pop it up to like 18. Now, I have pretty big monitors, too. No, I'm right there with you. 18, I'm at 16. I mean, but on the on the Linux terminal, right, on the GNOME terminal, because I'm running a, a pop, it's size 13, and they look the same. That seems like a problem in Electron. Is this on a 4K screen? I'm wondering if it's like a. I wonder if it's like a difference in scaling. I can tell you exactly the screen. It's an old Dell, uh, Dell, Ultra Sharp. I don't remember the model, but Ultra Sharp 27 inch, 250 60 by 1440. That's what it is, man. That is. It's such a tricky resolution for Linux to get right in some use cases. 250. That's a normal resolution. I know. It's because it's it's right on the edge of of requiring high dpi but not quite i think you'll find it's a little bit better in the new pop because it has gtk4 wow but there's other dependent i mean i'm not keen to upgrade right now but so why why that specific and i hope this is valuable to people but help you're helping me now why why it's not 4k right i think it gets down to how things get rendered on that particular toolkit so if you're say you're on gtk with X11. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm GNOME, right? I'll get the exact versions. 2004, the last LTS, not the new one, right? On the laptop itself, it's a System76. I think it's a lemur, right? It's, it's the black one. It's a little black one. It's beautiful on its own screen. The minute I plug in that HDMI cable, everything is fine. Everything's lovely. Until I open it, like, and Slack looks like too. That's what it is. Newer versions of Electron on Linux do support resolution scaling, but I don't know if that's actually shipped in things like Slack yet. Electron uses an older toolkit. I think it's GTK, but I think it's like an older GTK. What's strange is when I go to Plant City and I plug it into the 19-whatever, the 1920 by 1080, it looks fine. So you're right. You must be right. It's got to be the scaling couple of more boosts before we get out of here. Eric Jr. sent in 5,000 sats for absolutely no reason. From Funny Money, a.k.a. Tom, he sent in 10,000 sats just to say, keep up the great work, and Files Copy and sent in 10,000 sats. We really got some really great support last week. And we also got people asking uh, if they know of any open source projects that are on the Lightning Network. I don't. I'm trying to collect a list. Here's my thinking. In the podcasting 2.0 spec, which includes things like transcripts, chapters, embedded images. It includes things like alternative download types, and it includes these boosts. So in that spec, it's a it's an RSS namespace spec. It's an open source namespace spec. And you can put things in there like a value tag with a lightning address. And that tells podcasting 2.0 compatible clients 
like I have the support for this feature. So like transcripts, you can have a transcript namespace in the RSS XML that points to where the transcript lives at. And then the app, when it loads the podcast, it can load the transcript because it sees that namespace in the XML for the transcript URL. And it goes and grabs that text. Same with chapters, images. So one of the things we could actually start doing if there was enough people with podcasting 2.0 apps is we could actually have an image of what we're talking about show up on the screen now, if we wanted to. I'm really excited about the possibility of transcripts because then it makes the shows infinitely more searchable, which is super useful from like just looking back in the archive, finding when we talked about stuff and getting some Google juice because they've never really gotten around to making audio super searchable. So it's a whole it's a whole set of features, and I'm just kind of scratching the surface. Uh, like here's another example. Like yeah, if you've ever seen like in the old days, we'd have on a download app for a, for an episode, we'd have the MP3 link, we'd have an MP4 link, we'd have like a mobile link, we'd have all these different versions of the file. Well, in in podcasting 2.0, they're cleaning that up and they're making it so that way you could just have one entry that has multiple file type options. Another example, and this is the last one I'll use, is they're making it possible for music publishers to basically say in their in their RSS feed, this is actually an album. And so it can tell the podcast UI, again, if it's podcasting 2.0 compatible, it can tell the podcasting UI, render this as a music album, not a weekly podcast series. And so then it'll say things like, you know, artist and album. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's really stuff that we've needed for a long time to compete with Spotify and YouTube and Facebook and everybody who wants Apple that wants to get on this. And the best part is, is that it's an open source community spec. There's lots of people contributing to it. There's multiple apps being created at newpodcastapps.com. It's really got a lot of good momentum. And one of the namespace things in there is this value block. Right now, it's Lightning, which uses Bitcoin. That's just an implementation detail. And I think Lightning is a good one because with Lightning, you can send stupid cheap amounts of money, like seven cents, right? You can't do that with the existing payment rails. We have people that listen to this show that stream us some sats every minute as they listen, just a handful of sats. And, you know, it's probably in some cases it could be less than a penny, but it adds up. And you can't do that with PayPal or Stripe. The fees are like a couple of bucks, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Lightning is the is the part of the back end that makes this possible. In this value namespace tag in the RSS feed, you can do splits. So one of the things I'm thinking about is I want to do splits with certain open source projects that we use to produce these shows. So when people boost these shows, a split of it goes to an open source project. But these open source projects need to get on the Lightning network first. And so if people know of open source projects that are accepting Lightning payments let me know because that's something I could see doing. I could also see down the road splits with, with a host or somebody who helps us produce the show or all kinds of things. Shout out to Drew. Let's, let's split some lightning money with Drew, right? Let's do it. Come on. Yeah, Drew. Listen, Drew has saved Chris's life. hundred. Chris is crazy. You know that, <laughs> oh man. You've heard him live. He's nuts. Just nuts. It's definitely Chris and, and not me. Absolutely. I think the biggest resistance right now is crypto looks really scary especially with the market tanking and people don't know the difference between Bitcoin and all of the other cryptocurrencies. It's sort of like there's a lot of operating systems and people don't know. You mean MicCoin? Yeah, right. Like MicCoin and ScamCoins, right? There's a lot of, there's Windows, there's macOS, there's Linux, there's the right tools for the right job. Different ones have different fundamentals. It's the same thing with crypto technology and blockchains. A lot of them are scams. Some of them are a good idea, but just don't have the solid fundamentals. And then there's Bitcoin. 
And so that's why I like the Lightning Network, because it's based on some solid fundamentals. But it could be anything. If you could get the payments right, it could be a Stripe backend for that value namespace. And so the podcasting 2.0 stuff is really about all of these new things that need to come to podcasting and then about working with podcast app developers to actually incorporate those things. And it's not a lot right now. Fountain and Castomatic are the ones I use. Some apps like Overcast and AntennaPod have implemented bits and parts of the podcasting 2.0 spec. And some of the there's some really nice web podcasting players which have like almost all of the features. And it's going to require us on the back end to develop new tooling to produce the RSS feeds with all of these features. But I'm all about it. I think transcripts are one of the things I'm the most excited about, along with the value tag. I could quickly see some shows doing things like land could be a great example of we have six stories in an episode of land and we could have the headline image up as we're talking about that story each chapter because each story has a chapter. Uh, a standardized way to do chapters is another nice thing that's also searchable on the web. That's part of the podcasting 2.0 spec. And then on top of all of that, it also has a good crediting system to like to make it really clear who's a host, who's a guest speaker, who's a community contributor, and all of this information that the listener might want to know. So it's all out there at newpodcastapps.com if you want to get it on the client side. I'm also kind of covering the development of all of this in office hours as we begin to build the tooling on the back end this summer. We have a really good conversation going on on the GitHub for Jupiter Broadcasting about some of that stuff. And then the development of that's going to be covered in office hours, office hours, not here for all that, because it's a, going to be a summer of projects. Wes Payne is a mastermind of this thing. He's going to be like the CTO of this project. He's, get, he's going to get veto power for anything too crazy, but he's kind of got a really good outline of it already. Honestly, my life would be so much better if Wes could just veto my decisions. Oh, everything, right? Like, we, we should just submit stuff to the West over Slack, and he just needs, like, a voting thing that he just hits yes, no on, right? Like, I should pull up to a gas station and be like, Wes, it's for, by the way, 420 oh, gallon. Oh, please. Please. Oh, come on. Are you busy? I paid 589 yesterday. Get out. I did. That's wild, dude. Really? I now pay more, just over what I used to pay to fill up my truck, which had more a larger tank i now for my little golf <laughs> with like a 10.8 gallon tank i now pay more than i did in my big dodge truck i have spent more money on food and gas and i did the math and it was depressing relative to my income i have actually gotten poorer or less well off i guess i should say because i'm you know you and me are not poor this is like i feel it because you and i are not the only ones listeners out there are feeling it too that's why like I kind of laugh about the market because I have to, but I also really know it's rough for people too. I connect with that. Well, this has been a uh, interesting experience the last couple of years with COVID, yeah, and with the market going, I think, frankly, insane. Probably the wildest rides ever. And you know, I was so scared about going independent in the middle of COVID. I know you were. I know. I remember. But this seems actually, in some ways, scarier. I think you and I, and and not. Just personally, like, you know, an important part of the show for me, maybe I'm in my feelings, is for people opening small businesses, right? Yeah. It's Coda Radio, sure, whatever. But I don't know that you should right now, honestly. It feels like a hunker down, collect your, you collect your nuts, squirrel them away. Well, I mean, that's your choice, Chris. I respect your lifestyle if you want to collect nuts. Meanwhile, what? You're going to be collecting gold and Bitcoin? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I that's where I keep going back. That's the silver lining. And I just think this is one of the things now 
that I'm managing, right, for the business. Trying to not trying to make this too too gloomer, but like this could have a downturn. Did you just say gloomer? Isn't that a thing? A doom and gloomer? It's new to me, but I like it. But you could see you could see how this could ultimately result as uh, as a decline in the advertising space, especially in the tech advertising space, as this gets rougher and rougher. And so that's why when we went independent again, I focused on memberships, and I'm so super grateful for our members. I feel like the boosts are additive because they allow people more one-time, one-time contributions or additional on top of contributions. And I think if I had my S together and the and the chain the supply chain was working, I could probably try to add a little bit of a swag sale arm too to try to make up for it. But it's like this is my thing to manage now this year that I didn't really plan for. But I mean, it's what I got to do. Well, but you need money. That's 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 the way, my man. Can I pitch an idea? Hey, what, what you got? Torture Mike, or. Oh, right, not Mike, Jar Jar. <laughs> so I will, in character, talk like Jar Jar Binks. Oh, God. And Wes gets to pick a coding challenge for me. <laughs> but this is a paid-only video <laughs> or VR at my, at my discretion, <laughs> at my discretion uh, event. A pay-per-view. A pay-per-view <laughs> watching me want to choke Wes to death. Because Wes is like, I'm like, Wes, you're going to pick like some normal language. Like, no, closure. F*** you. We need like some really dramatic music. You know, got to have some dramatic lighting changes. And then a- as I get, and, and also, obviously, people can tip me in booze because why would I do this sober? So how about this? I will become more like Jar Jar as I'm irritated. And I don't get to know. So you, you, you give me a brand new ubuntu or i'd prefer pop or mac <laughs> machine and i have to install the tool chain too we got to back off this note here wes says he's concerned this is turning into some sort of weird coding only fans with mike and he's not sure he wants to be involved with that <laughs> i feel like wes will do it i don't know come on oh, wes. he'll do it he'll probably yeah. do it i just want to say how many languages in how many weeks i i got killed Elm, <laughs> closure. It's, it's, I'm like Magneto. I'm saying the names in rage. Come on, Wes. Wes was right. Or, you know what? Worse, put it to the Matrix chat room. Let them have their have their way with me. That came out wrong. Hey, look at you. You're giving, you're giving them a... No, you give them a shout out. Let them have their way with you. They'll love it. They're, just, they're probably just glad you're giving them some attention. Let's do it, Matrix chat room. In fact, if someone can figure out how to get my IRC stuff to Matrix, that's not me. I would be very happy. There you go. That's probably not going to happen because we don't have the bridge. So, <laughs> but, but, but what about like I'm just saying, pay per view torture Jar Jar. Who doesn't want to torture Jar Jar? I would love to watch. I don't know if I want to be involved with the production because you know it's a lot of Jar Jar. But if I could watch, maybe have a few beers, some nachos, put it up on the big screen. You know, now I'm starting to enjoy myself. I'm thinking. I, I'm just saying. I mean, you need, we let's raise some revenue. Let's do it. Let's do it. In the meantime, where should we send folks? Uh, Alice.dev. Go check it out. Go see it. If you want to follow this here podcast on the Twitter, it's at Coda Radio Show, and the network is at Jupiter Signal. Of course, there's a big network of shows, some big stuff going on in Linux this week. You might want to go subscribe to Linux Action News and check out the latest episode for details on that. You can always join us live on a Monday. We do it here at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Love having you here. And, of course, links to what we talked about today, coder.show slash 465-er. That's where you'll find our contact form, too. That's a big part of the show. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next week.